Hi there, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. And this is the Infinity Cast, where we spill the tea on Marvel and pop culture. I, 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 I. We're not getting a third season, are we? No, we're not. This is the conclusion of it all. This is the conclusion of, of Loki's complete story. And I'm sure we'll see Loki again at some point, but like, this, this really is a conclusion. At least I think to this version of Loki, because to be honest, I don't really know how you make him a character again. He's so overpowerful. He is like extremely over overpowered within that. I mean, he's a god, a full on god here. <laughs> he transcended the little G god into being a big G god. Big G god of the entire multiverse. Basically, like the Atlas of the multiverse. He is. He is. He made Yggdrasil. You know, I mean, like that. That image at the end. I want an art print of that. Of that tree, like the whole sequence, just the music. Like this episode, like was like Phil Collins doing the music of Tarzan. Like who Natalie Holt just like really was on fire this entire episode with the music. It didn't. It didn't need to go that hard, and yet it did. It did go that hard. Like I was just, I was getting chills the entire episode, visually and musically. It was beautiful. I mean, the one you 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 titled the episode "Glorious Purpose," which was the title of the episode of of episode one in season one. You know, so you tie it to that Ouroboros loop. We go back to episode one. You know, there was so many beautiful moments I did not expect and how he was dealing with He Who Remains that we went back to the season one finale. I mean, it was just, I I loved this. This is, and everyone's saying it too. I mean, no one's anti-Loki season two, but like, it just is so good. It's so good. And I can't even say, you know, we've been talking this whole time about what's better, season one or season two. You can't anymore. To be honest, I, I really think at this point we just kind of have to view it as one 12-episode season. Yeah, one. it's one story. That's what it is. It's one story. It's not this is better than this or this is better than that because it is a complete story. Season one and two is beginning, end. That's what you had. And then beginning again and then end again. Um it was oh gods. The epilogue got me like everyone's free. I mean, there's a melancholy to it all, but like they're free. Mobius is free to go stalk himself. Yeah, that's a little weird. I was curious of what the heck that meant, you know, when it comes to just the practicality of it all. I thought he would be returning to like the moment he was pulled out of it, but he's just staring at himself. I'm like, all right, you do you, man. Which means eventually he's going to end up back at the TVA. I'm sure he's going to end up in Deadpool. Um, but yeah, Sylvie's free. She's gonna get another job at the at a McDonald's. Um, they've changed a little bit, Sylvie. They ain't, they ain't like they used to be. Um, but one of the things that got me too, like, and I still like, I was I was almost to tears. I was getting so teary eyed with it, is when Loki's standing there and he says, you know, for you, for for all of us, was exactly what he said at the end of Thor to Odin. Yeah. No. It, it, there was so much symmetry between like Loki's end in this and Loki's end in Thor, the first Thor. Even just him walking on that gangway like reminded me of like, you know, him on the Bifrost. And he made this he he made basically the same sacrifice that Thor did in that movie, but on a on a multiversal scale. Mhm. It was beautiful. You know, he said it as like a an angry sad child the first time who was like felt unloved by his father and that he, he felt this like shame and disappointment in his voice, this brokenness. And now he says it with this confidence 
of self-sacrifice. Like the, the, the arc that Loki has had throughout all of this is so beautiful and hopeful. And it's, it's just wonderful. It's like, this is what the MCU is for. Talk about it being here, superhero fatigue or whatever like this. Here we are in 2023 and everyone's screaming bloody murder at everything else. And fanboys are being man shot children and whatever. But like, I think this is where the MCU shines. If you allow the creators to do what they do, you're sitting there in tears with all of this stuff behind you to, to, to really fill it out. Even extra weight. If we never saw Tom Hiddleston as Loki again, like this was the perfect end. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, very melancholy. And the shipper in me is sad because I wanted him and Sylvie to run off into the sunset. Today. I know you would, you little narcissist. You know, it's an aspirational wish. Hashtag goals. I get it. Um, but no, I, and I do understand. I, I think the one note I could have about all of all of this is that I wanted more information on Sylvie. I wanted Sylvie kind of took a backseat this season. Um, with everybody else and became like more about Loki, which is fine because it is about him. Um, but I really want her to be involved in something else down the line, like her own show, her own made for TV streaming movie, her own something back in one of the back in Deadpool. Um, but because I, I love that actress as this version of, of, of Loki as Loki's variant of Sylvie. I love her, and I really would like more from it. But that's, that can be said about all, the whole team, too. I love everybody in the show. Yeah, I just, I don't, you know, like, I don't really know if they do, like, do you do another season of this show, but, like, without Loki in it, but it's just the TVA. I think at that point, you just rename your show, you start something else, and do a season one of the TVA if you want to do that. Do, like, a a thing. Because basically, this this episode, with this episode was, especially, it was just Doctor Who. Like, to a certain extent, like, he was like, how long am I going to have to learn this? All right, centur- centuries later. Yeah, it, it just, it became a Doctor Who episode. I, I love that. <laughs> I love the, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm big on the timey-wimey. As I, I know, and it was so damn good in that. I was like, oh, okay, he's a Time Lord now. It's from Time Lord to Time God. Yeah, Time God. I loved Loki's basically, like, Groundhog's Day the entire first part of this episode. Yeah, that's uh, that, uh, Saturday Night Fever Mozart music. <laughs> yeah. Him trying, him like speeding through each repetition of uh, of this, of him trying to get Victor down that gangway. Get everything perfect, get everything perfect. Like, don't set it down, don't set it down. Like, listen, do not set it down off the gangway. It will roll off. <laughs> See, the frustrations of probably a century's worth of attempts. And Syl- Sylvie, Sylvie and Mobius and like different parts of it, like kind of picking up on it, but not really knowing what the fuck's going on. And then he's like, trust me. Tr- no, I don't trust you. Like, what the- What are you doing? I know you're up to something. You know, they all can tell that he was up to something. And genuinely, I, I when it looked like they had succeeded for a second, I really like the camaraderie in that moment. Mm-hmm. And like him, like, you know, grabbing Victor timeline. He's like, we fucking did it. Like, look, look what we did. He was so happy. He was so, oh. And speaking of Victor Timely and jumping around a bit, at the end of this episode, they show where everyone is, and they show, like, kid Victor Timely. If he, he never like, got the thing. He he is he's allowed to grow up as, a, as an adult without that book. Yeah, but, like, the thing is, do they, like, prune, like, the adult Victor? Like... That version of him still existed. Like I kind of assumed he'd be working at the TVA. Him, him, and Ob published a new edition of 
the manual. Yeah, I, I think it, it, I don't think it's a matter of prune because of what ended up happening. I think that version of him is there. Um, I think wherever he ended up, whoever's I wish they had shown adult um, timely. Because, like, I, I feel like the implication is that, like, he never existed, but that's not... The implication is that he never existed, but the math is like, well, everyone's still there. No one reset. Right. And the thing is, he came from a branched timeline because the getting the book branches the timeline. So, like, I just kind of interpreted Kid Victor as, like, well, that's him on the sacred timeline if he never got the, the book. But this version of Victor did, so where is he? Yeah. That, that, like, was one of the very minor critiques I maybe had with the episode. Well, I mean, it could just be them. It's like, I mean, just let's look at the Jonathan Major situation in general. Maybe there was more of that, but they were like, let's just keep everything ambiguous until we know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah, that also could be. You know, and that's that's what it comes down to. Like, they. I really like that version of the character. <laughs> Me too. Oh, my God. He was since, like, I was kind of waiting for him to become, like, a con artist or, or, or like, him to become, you know, the he who remains or the villain or something like that. But no, he was sincere. And I felt like he was a great character to have. Like he was a, a, a good guy. And I liked his chemistry with all the characters. And we saw his many, many deaths. Mm-hmm. His many, many. And his expressions when he was dying was hilarious. Just if you watch his little face in the, in the, in the little like view, in the little window of the helmet. And he just says, he's just blowing up his lips and all. It was hilarious. Uh, the expressions were great. And you know what? If it was a scaling problem and, you know, maybe partially it was, but also the loom has a fail safe. I feel like they should have figured that out quickly, like quicker. Like they shouldn't have needed to get through all of that to be like, oh, it's a scaling problem because you can't scale for infinity. Yeah, you can't scale for infinity. But I mean, I think the whole point is the loom could and they did do it. But then they were like, well, I guess we didn't. But I guess you can't. The loom won't allow for it because the loom. Because the loom is designed to trim every single thing that didn't do what it was supposed to in the first place. Right. Yeah, it was a self-destruct device to make sure that like, all right, you guys do whatever you're going to do, but I'm going to eliminate all your variants that you all created to get here. Yeah. So I can live again. Sorry. And that makes sure that there's no uh, multiversal war. So he was still doing what he did. How, how do we feel about the returning to the season one finale, which I kind of, I kind of saw coming a little bit. I, I loved it. I absolutely adored it. Um, I love that we had a new version of the conversation um, and he's just, he's making fun of himself, which just shows that like Victor Timely was really just, uh, I, I, he was, he was being used. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what I got from that too. Yeah. He's like, oh, 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 he was like making fun of his own speech impediment and everything else. It was like looking down on this version of him. Yeah. That settled it. That settled it for me that Victor Timely does not become he who remains. No, he does not become he who remains. He was designed to die. He was designed to to just be utilized to so he can get the loom working and then have his little reset reincarnation baby i did i loved i like i loved that i, I kind of i'm sad that the only parts of sylvie we got in this are like <laughs> sylvie trying to kill he who remains a million times yeah um yeah well that was my general note is i felt like we we didn't weren't heavy on the sylvie plot in this season but yeah in general you know, it's not about her in this case you know um also, okay, so he who remains implies that he paved the road for Loki to start time slipping. 
I, I still want to know what caused Loki to start time slipping in the fucking first place. Yeah, I mean, I think when everything went poof, I guess whatever 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 he remains had set up to get from where he was back to the TVA, that's what did it. Like maybe he set it up because he, he put it in his temp pad, right? And she and she pushed him through the temp pad. So whoever wins that fight, the loser goes through the temp pad and starts time slipping. The winner obviously would have killed he who remains. So you can just you can just set it up like that. I mean, I know it's like a it's Star Trek fanboy, you know, interpretive logic. So it's but a it little works. bit of headcanning. It's a little bit of headcan, but it works. Yeah, well enough. Yeah. Um I did like that he who remains said this one thing. He said, I make the tough choices, that's why I get the big chair and like foreshadowing. Yeah, he may and Loki would make the biggest, biggest uh, tough decision for himself, and he yeah. gets the the biggest chair. He made a he made a Star Trek two decision <laughs> yeah. and didn't die, but became the god of the fucking multiverse. Yeah, became the god of the freaking multiverse. And I love that because the whole thing about Loki is like at the end you really believe he doesn't want a throne, he doesn't want a throne, and then he gets the biggest throne there is. Heavy, heavy is the uh, the head that wears the horns made yeah. of. Kintsugi void stuff. Yeah. And his his outfit, I love the God of Stories outfit that they did for him. I love that. I would have gone I would have gone smaller on the horns, but I liked it too. Yeah. I, I, I think he deserved the horns at this. It really like because he I feel like there was also a temporal element to it. Like this is I was almost half expecting um uh old Loki from from episode four to be there. To pop from in episode. from season one, episode four. Um, what's his name? Richard Grant. Oh yeah, Richard E. Grant. Yeah, Richard E. Grant. To kind of pop up just during the whole thing because like there was he was being doused with radiation. He's an immortal being, but the, you know, but no, they didn't do that route. That's okay. So I, I love Richard E. Grant, but I'm glad it was still Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I just was like I said, oh, are they going to do that? No, they. But I love the outfit. I love the whole thing. It was very pagan, Loki. I just it 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 worked on so many levels. And what would Thor and Odin think of him now? Oh, God. I, can, I just can imagine what Odin thinks of Loki now. Like, looking on from Valhalla and just being like, I'm really proud of him. Because I'm watching Thor. Like, literally, like, I watched it tonight. Um, and um, there's that moment of Odin. Before they made Odin an asshole in, in later, you know, kind of later uh, movies. Like, uh, he really kind of fucked up the realms. He really is looking at Loki like, I do love you. You're just twisting my words. Like, I'm trying to be a good dad. I try to protect you and treat you like a son. And you're hating me for it. Kind of vibe. Like, ugh. You know, it, it breaks your heart. So I think that Odin would just be very proud of his boy. I think he'd be proud of both of his boy, boys. And I really hope that's that's the thing that I want. I would like... It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be a whole movie based on it. But I would like Thor 4 to end with some kind of moment where Thor it dies and has his own version and he knows what Loki did. Like, we don't have to see Loki again if that's the case. Like, fine, that is the case. But that, we need some acknowledgement of that. We need some connection between Loki and Thor to have the brothers um, know that the other one still knows that the other one's doing a, doing good by them, you know? I think that would be a nice touching moment. Something in in Thor 4. Um, and then that's it. Never see him again. Never see him again. Either one. Get rid of get rid of 
Thor and get rid of Loki at that point. I think I think that would be a good send off to end um, Chris Hemsworth's Thor, which also was very much in, intertwined with Loki so much, you know. Yeah, I just I, I don't know if we're going to get that. I know, I know. I, the only the, the the least you know the the least liking uh, Love and Thunder, you know Thor three Love and Th- no Thor four Love and Thunder. Um, so I guess it would be Thor five. I keep keep forgetting that there was another one. Um, You're just forgetting that uh, the Dark World ever. Yeah, I keep forgetting Dark World exists. But I still, you know, that that did age better. I'm going to be watching that tomorrow. Um, that did age better in my last rewatch. I remember, but like. I like and I like it better, I think, than Lord Love and Thunder. And I think because the thing that was missing was Loki. There's a there's a lot going on in Thor four, and Loki was not one of. Well, them. I think you, if you made a story and and took like Korg away and added Loki, I think it would have been a lot better. Not that I don't love Korg, not that I don't love Korg, but um, you had too much of the humor running through him all the time. Yeah, where Korg is good for like a couple of side comments here or there. Do you think they're like, what was the ending with Renslayer? Um, that is subject to interpretation. There were a few things to look out there. One, either she's about to get her ass handed to her by Goliath. Two, um, there's, um, there's the Egyptian pyramid and Sphinx behind her, which could contain something involving the original, uh, I forget, Mama Hotep Kang. I forget his character. Ramatut. Ramatut Hotep. Kang thing guy. Um, but it's something in there. Um, I feel like she didn't look scared at the end. She looked like defiant. ready. She like, yeah, defiant and ferocious, ready to like, you know, whatever the fuck was coming. So I, I, I don't think this is the end of Rensa. And that's what I'm saying. Like some, they, they, everyone kind of got their cute little epilogues, you know, but like all, even Miss Minutes rebooted, <laughs> even Miss Minutes rebooted, but all of them have this little, you know, air of, but there's more. So now we're waiting on that. Damn. You know what? Now, now thinking about it in that context, I really do think they must have ha- filmed something for adult Victor that they probably just didn't put in the final cut of this episode. Yeah. That's because you're I right. Think. Everyone did get some sort of an epilogue. Yeah. I think they just took it out. And they were just like, until we know what's going on, we don't want to promise anything. Even if he was just like in the background in that war room scene and they cut it short. Yeah. You know? hmm. Interesting. Yeah, though this is uh, uh this is the best Marvel show. Yeah, no, really, it really is. Loki, uh, you can tell a lot of love, a lot of thought, um, and a lot of intelligence and great filmmaking went into this. But cinematically, musically, obviously the performances of everyone was top notch above it all. Um, you can I, like like I said, you can no longer look at this as one or two seasons of a show. It is one complete story. Um, I look forward to when I go through the binge, I'm just going to go through all the Loki stuff. Um, Thor, uh, Avengers, Thor Dark World, um, and then we got, what, Infinity War? Ragnarok, and then Endgame. And then the entire Loki uh, show experience, which will be 12, you know, less than 12 hours, but that'll be a quick, quick run through, I think. I'm looking forward to that, just seeing the complete story and just being satisfied. Yeah, I just, ah. Uh... You know what? This is like this has been like the highlight of Marvel for me for this entire year, and I'm sad it's over. And it's probably like over, over. Yeah, I mean for the for this version of Loki for now, I think this is it. Um, whatever, like I said, whatever they're developing for Thor four, whether they keep that in mind and do something with that, 
Thor 5, sorry. Thor 5. God, that does not roll off the tongue, does it? Thor 5, Thor 5, Thor 5, Thor 5. That does not. I don't like it. Thor 4. That, eh, that doesn't, whatever. Point is. Thor the next Thor. Thor the next, the next Thor movie. <laughs> whatever it will be. Please do not base it on a. Please do not base it on a really, really good comic series of like 37 million issues that you're going to try to consolidate into a two-hour film. Don't do that again. I'm still angry about that. Not that anyone of you know because we have yet to do a show about it. Uh, yep. Yep. One day. One day. The next week, the Marvels. Yes. We will get to that. We will. I need to see it again before we talk about it. Me too. Um... Yeah, what are our final, what are our closing thoughts on this this timey-wimey Tom Hiddleston adventure? Um, I mean, my final thoughts are I'm going to go get off this line, continue my binge, and I'm going to cry probably as we get to the end. And it was worthy of all the tears and all the feelings. Tom Hiddleston deserves an Emmy. Um, the filmmakers the, the, and the producers, they all deserve shit too. I, th- I think this this show... Had a lot of love, and you can tell, and it deserves all the praise it's getting. And I'm so happy that it is getting praise. Yeah, no, I mean, it absolutely deserves it. I think, I think my takeaway from this show is this is what we get when there's an actual vision behind like a show, right? Like this and WandaVision, I think, had the most interesting, like fully thought out concepts. They weren't just money grabs just to throw it out there. There was like, obviously, a lot of people put thought and creativity behind it to make it something that wasn't just a show. WandaVision and Loki, I think, represent the best of that. And like, we've liked most of the other shows. No, I do. I mean, I like uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. I I love Miss Marvel. Um, I liked Hawkeye. Um, I can't think of a single other one right now. It's really Secret Invasion is the one. That- <laughs> Don't even talk to me about Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion is the first time that I hated something that Marvel produced. Hated. I know we've got we've got the audio proof. Loathing. Ugh. But this is like the exact opposite. This is yeah. like well thought out, well executed, well written. Yeah, this is this is on par for me. It was like you have a Guardians of the Galaxy, which obviously had one very cohesive vision, even if it had to be adapted post Endgame. Um, it it still had a very cohesive vision about what its story was about and what the characters were, um, and that worked on such a beautiful level because they just let just let him go, just let James Gunn go, and I think the obviously the artist behind this show had a cohesive vision. They knew what they wanted. They did what they did. And while, yeah, it, it involves the rest of the MCU as well, but it didn't feel like it. Because, you know, sometimes you have these these shoehorn elements of the MCU. of Like, oh, we're, we're going to shoehorn this idea in there. So so everybody knows. You know, that's what Joss Whedon was complaining about when it comes to Ultron. It's like, you're trying to cram too much shit in here. Like, let me do my fucking job. Um, but this didn't feel like it. It felt like they took that idea. They ran with it in a very creative way. And it made it work beautifully. And I'm blissful about it. This is what happens when you treat something with with care instead of just being like, all right, just throw it through the grinder and let's just make a show. Who cares? We'll hire, we'll hire some idiot to do it. And if they would just put this much thought into the rest of their properties, we wouldn't have any problems with Marvel. Because I just don't feel like they've been doing that recently with a lot of their stuff. I agree. 
Definitely recently. If Secret Invasion is any indication. Do more of this, Kevin Feige. Do more of this. Do more of this, less of whatever the fuck happened in Secret less, Invasion. Less, less of Agatha, the three titles that Agatha has had, and it hasn't even come out yet. I am interested in Agatha for, for, for fun, and I love the cast alone. Um, I am too, and I hope that it's good. Yeah, we will see. But it's like, I... Secret Invasion has got me. It's got me shaken up, you know. No, I get it. It's just some just some PTSD stuff there. I get it. I mean, like that's how we felt, you know, talking about Star Trek for a second. You and I was talking to you about Star Trek season three, Picard season three, and uh, you were you were traumatized. You were like, I don't know. I'm waiting for it to go bad again. I'm waiting for it to go bad again. That's what Secret Invasion did. Secret Invasion was as bad as Star Trek Picard seasons one and two, and it just was like, who made this? How? I, you, someone had to have graduated from some school and approved this and they need to go home to their mama and apologize. So whoever greenlit, whatever secret invasion ended up being needs to go home to their mama and apologize. Not for Loki though. No. Loki is perfection. It really is. And it was glorious. It was glorious. Thank you, Tom Hiddleston. All right. So make sure to like subscribe and please. Tell your friends. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at InfinityCast, spelled Infinite A Cast. And you can email us at InfinityCast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. And we'll see you guys next week.